Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Warrior Within, and it's April. Kind of nice seeing the weather kind of change out here, though, out where I live, you know, the seasons kind of go up and down, so sometimes you could have like 40 degrees, and then the next day it could be 70. So, right now it's spring-ish, though these last couple days have been kind of cold, but we've been able to see more green coming out, plants growing, birds coming out, so it's been really nice. Anyway, so we're going to get back to our series on Sower the Seed. And we have now made it to seeds that have landed in the thorns. Now, I want to remind you guys that, you know, last week we talked about those that fell in the stone, which their roots never were able to get in deep, get to the good soil. Uh, basically, the roots were so weak that as soon as something happened, boom, they quit. They bail. Now we're going to be talking about those that fell into basically good ground, but thorns were also with them. And if you guys have ever been around thorns, you know that thorns can be kind of like a weed where it, like, it just gets around all the plants and then you can see how it kind of chokes the plants because it starts blocking out the sun. It starts keeping, like it absorbs the nutrients faster than the plant. Um, it even keeps the plant from growing strong like it should it's almost like being imprisoned by a prison of thorns that cover over you now an interesting thought came to me as i was doing some searching on this subject jesus himself actually was given a crown of thorns and i thought it was intriguing to see that he was given thorns and then the thorns I, I remember from studies in the past is that they were ranging from like two to three inches long. And imagine that getting shoved into your head. Now, according to many theologians, the, the idea behind the thorns was actually the image of the flesh, what the flesh does to you. So in other words, what worldly things do to you, what the world's offers do to you, it, it digs into you and basically sticks into you so deep, it's like a part of you, if you think about it. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever been scratched by thorns or stabbed by a thorn, it doesn't feel good. And, and the end result is kind of like a sting or a, a form of, like, because I believe some thorns even have kind of like a poison inside them, but it's not like a deadly poison, but it's enough where your body reacts to it. That's why sometimes when you get scratched, your, your skin really gets irritated. So it made me start thinking about these people whose seeds fell into a thorny patch. Now we're reminded that in Matthew 13, if you go back to verse 14 and 15, it says, this fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand. They cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So, you go down to verse 22. This is about those that fall into the thorns. Seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded by the worries of this life and the lure of, health, of wealth. 
So no fruit is produced. So my mind went to two different ways of looking at this. Um, we have Christians today that I think, or I'm not even sure if they would even be considered Christians, the people who say they believe in Jesus that fit in this category. You see, they have been brought up in a church or they may have heard you know, I, that they don't want to go to hell. So they've done the, what's called the sinner's prayer. And they believe that they've gained the fire insurance to be able to not go to hell. The only problem is that they've never cleared out the thorns of their life. They've never removed or changed. Because one of the main things that we've been pointing out and talking about when you accept Christ, you know, we understand that he died on the cross for our sins. He rose again on the third day, which you know we celebrated this last Sunday. But the problem is we, I think many people don't understand that when they accepted Christ, they were supposed to do it in faith, yes, but it was allowing him to change them. So the fact that they have not changed is a red flag in my opinion. If they're still doing the same stuff that they did, but they accepted Christ, something's not right. Plus two, even if they did and it was genuine and they're still struggling, that tells me two things. Either one, they didn't grasp the understanding that they have the Holy Spirit now and that Holy Spirit can cleanse them. Or two, they're not getting that proper discipleship after accepting Christ. Because one of the main things I think Satan does, as soon as someone accepts Christ, he hits hard. Because he wants to remind you, he wants to constantly make you think about your past. He wants to remind you that you were worthless. He wants to remind you of what you were by making it feel like it's now. When in, in scripture, we, we understand that when we accept Christ, we became a new creation, new creature in Christ. He cleansed us from all unrighteousness. He removed the penalty that came from sin, but... If it's genuine, there should be a change in you as well. You should be desiring to get away from the sins that um, you once were enslaved to, like we talked about in Romans 8. We're not excused to continue to sin. We're not supposed to continue in sin. So if you ever have people say, well, don't worry about it. You're saved. You're all good. No, 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 no. You need to change and turn from that sin person should be telling you that is wrong that is basically dishonoring god and you need to change you need to turn because remember sin in its definition is missing the mark well the mark is you're not following god's commands you're not staying on track you're walking in the way of the world so it declares in here that there's no fruit okay so a lot of times when we talk about fruit you know when we go into james especially fruit talks about uh works with uh faith without works is dead so if i were to take that literally we would have to look at it from a perspective that 
if my bearing of fruit is dead, why? Now, most people will say, well, I accepted Christ. Why do I still struggle? Well, there's to me, there's a difference. I think with, the, with their struggling, there's also discipleship not being engraved in you. But then I also wonder how many people who, like, I mean, be honest with you. If you accepted Christ, you're going to have this desire to not be who you were. Now, if you accept Christ and it doesn't bother you to continue to do the same things that you're doing, then I would actually ask, I would actually have to ask you if you truly understand what Christ did for you. Because the idea is that you don't want to continue to follow into the ways of the world. You don't want to be a part of the world. You don't want to continue to sin in the sins that you're doing because the Holy Spirit's now in you. It's going to cleanse you, if you, especially if you ask to be cleansed and, and you're asking to be changed and you're asking to grow in your faith and you want to get rid of, like let's say, pornography. You want to get rid of alcoholism. You want to get rid of drug abuse. You want to get rid of rage. You want to get rid of your lying tendencies. You want to get rid of your, your desire to steal, desire to hurt or abuse other people because you, you want to be changed because you understood that we... We are all sinners. We don't deserve to go to heaven. We don't deserve to be with Jesus. We don't deserve grace. We don't deserve to be redeemed. But he did it anyway for you and me. He died on the cross for you and me. He desires for you and me to be with him. Even though we don't deserve it, he gave it to us. That's what grace is. Something that we gained that we don't deserve and mercy is basically someone willing to give you something when you deserve it or I should say don't really deserve it so mercy is if you have a debt and someone pays it off for you they have mercy on you they have compassion for you Christ did both he provided grace a way that we don't have to be penalized for our sin but yet, sadly, there are Christian groups out there that teach you that you need to learn how to cooperate with grace. That even though you accepted Christ, you still got to cooperate. Otherwise, you go to purgatory or you go to somewhere else or you don't even get to go to heaven or you're not part of the chosen. That's not biblical. The Bible's very clear. Anyone who calls upon my name will be saved. That's it. If it's genuine, there should be change. So now if we look back in Matthew, when it states that it represents those who hear God's word, but are all but all too quickly the message is crowded by the worries of life, the lure of wealth, and so no fruit is produced. So I think a lot of people fit in this category, and you need to double check yourself. We accept Christ, but we don't want to give up our money. We, you know, we accept Christ, but we don't want to stop, you know, having sex with other women whenever we want because it makes us feel good. And we start focusing on power, gaining the most power that we can gain, be respected by everybody. We start desiring things that make us be the focus, not Christ. 
So I also think there's people who have faltered in their faith who did accept Christ and it was genuine. But then the world offered some interesting things that they decided to chase after that. So they get choked. The word gets choked out of them, basically. And God's word doesn't isn't able to be heard because they're so in debt and I don't even know what the word would be, but they're so deep into this desire of fitting in this world that they've gotten lost. They lost their way. So they they sometimes will use their Christianism as a form of like morality system that they follow, but they still do things on the, on their own. They excuse sin. They excuse the way they live as well. This this is me. Is God blessing me? Is it really? Is it really God blessing you or is it something that you achieved by chasing after what you wanted and you disobeyed what God wanted for you? And so therefore, yeah, you were blessed by the world, but it wasn't necessarily a blessing from God. Sometimes we find a lot of people in this category can be very uh, self-righteous too. Because they don't like being called on things either. I mean, most of us don't. But they don't like being called when when they've made a mistake or they're, that they're doing, they're chasing after the wrong things, because who in their right mind would be able to tell someone, "Hey, you know, go after that money, so that way you can take care of your family, so that if anything happens, you'll have the money." But the thing is, your faith is not in God; your faith is in the money now. So we're going to go to First John, two, fifteen, seven. Okay, so here the chapter and beforehand it's talking about the new commandments um you know to love your god first love your neighbor uh i believe is what it is oh no it's not that part so it says even in before it says dear friends i'm writing a new command to you commandment for you rather it is an old one you have had from the very beginning the old commandment is to love one another is the same message you've heard before, yet it is also new. Jesus lived lived the truth of this commandment, and you also are living it. The darkness is disappearing, and the true light is already shining. So, you know, we're supposed to love others. But it says, do not love this world. So the idea was that God, Jesus was trying to get us to understand to love everybody. The loving everybody and, and, and sharing God's love to everybody does not mean you take in the evil of this world and love it so we get to verse 15 it says do not love this world nor the things it offers you for you or when you love the world you do not have the love of the father in you for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure you see its focus is for yourself continue a craving for everything we see a pride in our achievements and possessions there is not from the father these are not from the father but are from this world you see the world wants you to crave and desire and chase after these things these possessions these achievements to have the pride of life to be in physical pleasure of enjoyment of this world only that's what it wants you to do it wants you to focus why because in your eyes are not on god anymore we go to verse 17 and this world is fading away along with everything that people crave anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. See, if your focus was on God, 
you will live forever. The things here on this earth will not last. I mean, it's great to have a home. It's great to have a car. It's great to have things that you could do things because you can use that stuff to honor him. You can use the stuff to be able to reach more people and hang out with people and hang out with brothers and sisters in Christ. You could do all that. But the problem is I think many these people who heard the truth and and they believed it to not to go to hell to have to live forever but their desires were never the intention for christ so it makes me wonder if they were even saved in the first place because they were just following along with these legalistic or rules or standards that they could follow of morality appear to be good but in reality they never accepted the truth they get choked by the world as well as there's people that I believe that are saved and they do know Christ, but then they get enticed by this world. So their desires become more of what's here planted on earth. Because remember at the white throne judgment, you're going to stand before Christ and he's going to ask, you know, what did you do for me? He's going to judge you based on the things you didn't do or should have done. And you're going to give him a chest that has crowns or you're going to hope that yours has crowns. Because if you focus on everything that this world has to offer, you're not going to be giving him anything. I want that to sink in while we go on a break real quick. Hey guys, welcome back. And we were just talking about, you know, when we're standing in front of the white throne judgment that, you know, Jesus is going to kind of judge us on what we did for him or didn't do for him. And, you know, some of us are not going to have a bunch of crowns because we focus so much on what the world had to offer, not what he had to offer. So going back to verses, we're going to actually go to... 1 John 2, 15 and 17, but we're going to kind of explain a little bit of the chapter so you have an understanding, you know, and it says um, in verse 7, it says, Dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one. You have had from the very beginning the old commandment to love one another is the same message you heard before. And yet it also, it, yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of his commandment and you are living it. So, in other words, we're supposed to love our neighbors just as he was teaching the disciples, you know, to love everyone. But I honestly think what he's also trying to say is because if you read later on, you know, it he takes it from a verse from the Old Testament. He says, I'm writing to you who are God's children because of your sins have, have been forgiven through Jesus. Or actually, it's not even about that. I thought it was. Never mind. I'm writing to you for, who are mature in faith. Because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I'm writing to you who are young in faith. I have written to you who are God's children. I have written to you who are mature in faith. I have written to you who are young in faith. Because you are strong. God's word lives in your hearts. And you have won your battle with the evil one. So he wants you to understand you're supposed to, you are loved by God, you're to love others, right? But at the same time, he also does not want you to think that loving others, loving this and loving this world means loving the world, like taking in stuff that the world offers and loving it because there's a difference between the two because people, I really think sometimes when Jesus wrote, he understood what men were probably thinking. They're like, oh, well, so we should love our neighbors. So let's go to the 
the to the place where they can get prostitutes and we'll we'll prostitute with women but we'll also tell people about jesus and he's and i think in his mind he's like nope that's not what i mean or you know hey you know i have a drinking problem but hey i'm gonna go to the bar and drink with everybody and have fun and love them and that's not what he means so in other words don't put yourself in a situation that's going to make you sin and use the i'm going to tell people about jesus with it okay because now we go to verse 15 16 17 which is where um i think even 18 might be good in this one too no just 15 16 17 okay so it says do not love this world nor the things it offers you for when you love the world you do not have the love of the father in you for the world offers only cravings for the physical pleasure a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions these are not from the father but are from this world and this world is fading away along with everything people crave that anyone who does what pleases god will live forever so the idea is guys we're planted right and these these thorns want to just ensnare us and if you allow it to be a part of your life you give these sins a foothold in your life you allow the enemy to have a foothold in your life it will choke out that good seed remember we we talked about thorns steal the nutrients steals the truth steals the word it makes it easy for you to be fooled to fall into the desires of the craving for the physical pleasure for the craving of everything we see and the pride in our achievements and possessions it's so easy to be choked because this world offers something that our flesh desires do remember god's promise is not for here and now his promise is for with him and forever so we're not promised to have a happy life here we're not promised to have a home we're not promised to have a car we're not promised to have the fulfillment of this world but he also does not just let us suffer that way he will bless us he could bless you with an amazing house he could bless you with an amazing car he can bless you with a lot of money he could bless you with not so much money because everything he's given to you is his that he's given to you it's not yours and the enticement of this world makes it seem like the things that you're given are yours they want you to focus on look at what you've accomplished look what you have done look what you have because they want you to think about self i mean why do you think they in a lot of commercials we watch they they focus on fixing yourself focus on yourself focus on loving yourself focusing on you 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 make yourself happy get yourself a car make yourself happy try this cosmetic make yourself happy get this drink because you've noticed all the commercials and like tv shows they make all the stuff that we need to be wary of people look happy and the truth is you will be happy for a moment for a time you'll find that happiness that comfort but it's not forever. God promises forever peace, forever joy, forever him, forever love. But it's up to you to not be enticed and be choked. 
says, but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Because you will discover that the joy that you're, you've been longing for is with God. It's an everlasting joy with that none of these things in this world will matter. People don't like that. People don't want to be part of a church or an environment that tells you that nothing this world can offer is worth it. I'm not saying that you don't get the car. I'm not saying you don't get a, an amazing house or you know a bunch of acres and start your own farm and live off it the way you want it. Get yourself a gun, get yourself a bow, get yourself, you know, this and that. There's nothing wrong in getting those, but how are you using them? Are you using them for just self-desirable pleasure? Period. Are you are you picking up that friend whose car broke down in your fancy new truck and car to make sure they get to where they need to go? about you sir the guy who has the the nice big you know strong truck that could carry anything but all use it for is to drive around but the church hey needs wood to help this helps help somebody in town fix up their fence would you be willing to go to the hardware store or home depot or lowe's and get the wood that they need or, or do you not want to ruin your the paint on your car's pub area the backside you know you don't want to get a dent on it because you're you're more worried about the car than you're worried about helping someone else in need. Hey, you, that one has all the money in the world. Um, you made it big. You make, you know, six figures a year. But yet you have a brother in your church whose car broke down and they can't afford a, a car at all. How about you use some of that money to go help them get a car that they need? I mean, you can't always get them a new car because some people can't afford a new car. To get them a car that they could use. Work with them. About that person who, you know, went to the hospital and was sick and has this big bill and they don't know how they're going to pay for it. Could you help? What about the family who, where the husband, his wife dies? How are you there for them? see opportunities are everywhere but the problem is the world entices us so much that we forget versus love others forget about that we focus on ourselves more than we focus on God's purpose for us we get lost then we get choked and the word's not in us anymore because we're so focused on me I want you guys to think about that now we're going to go to John 17 John 17, 14, and 16, and even 17, 18. But I'm going to start in 13. It says, Now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so that they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world. Just as I do not belong to the world, I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. So understand this. Okay, understand this. Verse 18. As you 
But just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. Understand this one section. You've got to understand that God doesn't want us to detach ourselves from the world in a sense that we don't impact it, that we don't share the gospel to, to them, that we don't show us being a light and a salt in the world. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying remove yourself so that you're not in, in the world at all. He was wanting us to keep us from evil. That's why in verse 17, it says, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth, because he wants us to be holy. He wants us to stay on the path that's upright, godly, and and being of Christ-likeness. Okay? But at the same time, we can't be enticed by this world evil we don't belong here we also don't want everybody else to go to hell either we want them to discover christ and to be changed and transformed but we do have that duty to go and let them know what christ has done for them by accepting what jesus has done for them by believing with their full hearts and mind that they are genuinely asking for forgiveness and change and to repent and to turn from what they've been doing And then, of course, we're going to battle this world. We're going to have these thorns that are going to try to choke us. We don't have to let them. Just like any gardener would do, would go in there and chop them. The gardener is God. Allowing God to come in and clean your garden will keep you from being choked. That means you have to pay attention, knowing and discernment that what the world is enticing you right now, you need to get rid of it out of your life. Because remember, you can't serve two masters. I think we forget that mindset. There's God and there's this world. God's ways, world's ways. I want you guys to think about those two phrasings. God's ways, world's ways. God's ways is written in your scripture. You don't have to go searching for God's ways. You don't have to go to some guru to teach you. You don't have to. You got God's word. You also have theologians who have spent a lot of time creating commentaries that you can learn. You have your church and hopefully a pastor who loves God, who is serving God, is not being influenced by progressive thinking, and is not faltering away from the truth when he teaches. You have small groups you can be a part of. You have men that are possibly in your life who love God, who you can go and meet with and talk with and pray with. You can get trained and taught to stay holy on, on a godly path and not falter and be enticed by this world. You don't have to be. We choose to be because we want to entice. We want to feed that flesh desire. We talked about it in Romans 8. Now have the Holy Spirit that keeps us from falling. Or I say falling to the temptation. All of us will be tempted. So I want you to take what we've been talking about today. I want you to really think about things that do happen in our life. You know, we, we spend a lot of time chasing after money 
in today's culture, money is definitely a tool that people want because it gives them stability, power, gives them authority to make decisions. And we forget that money isn't going to solve the problem. Luke 16 is a verse I know many of you probably have listened to or heard or memorized as a kid. It says in verse 13, no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So now the thing is, he used the word money, but I've heard, you know, pastors, theologians, they talk about manna, like what the Israel had in the Old Testament. Manna also has a kind of a meaning of having, having something. Oh God. Jesus was using money because that's big in that in the culture in that time because he was pointing out to the Pharisees who had a lot of money. Money has always been that idol that we've always chased after because it always enslaves us and it keeps us away from understanding what faith in God is like. When you have nothing, God will provide. When you have nothing, God will take care of you. When you have nothing, God will give you the money that you need you have nothing God will use that nothingness to build you into the type of man or woman that you're supposed to be in him so it's not saying you can't have money or that you shouldn't have money what it's telling you is don't be enslaved by it because God will provide but don't let it control you when you start gaining that stability or freedom money doesn't mean that you allow it to control you. Don't let it become a thorn in your walk. I want you guys to think about that for this week. What is enticing you, keeping you, enslaving you from God? And remove it. Get those weeds out. Get those thorns out. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. I ask that you bless this conversation. I ask that you bless the men and women that are listening, that they'll be changed and transformed, and that they understand that they need to cleanse their life out. They need to remove those thorns out of their life. And if they have been so indulged and, and desired into this world's uh, pleasures that they thought many, many years ago that they accepted you, Lord, have them really think about it. Because if they only accept him to get the fire insurance and not go to hell, they're not saved. Because they are chasing after the wrong thing. Faith in Christ and what he did is because you understood that you are a sinner, that you have died, that you're going to die, and that he died in your behalf. And now you want to repent, you want to change, or give him that desire to understand that, so that it is genuine. But those that have accepted Christ, and it was genuine, but they've been enticed in this world, that you remove those thorns, that they can get cleansed, that they can get their, their ground to be good again, to be cleaned, so that they can grow without being choked and without nutrients being stolen from them. ask that you move anybody who's listening to these podcasts to be changed and transformed into your likeness, to grow and godliness and to walk upright. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have a blessed day.